Welcome back, everyone, to So As We Were Saying, a physical therapy podcast. This is season three, episode three. Today, we got Brandon Rogers, uh, one of our old classmates, now a physical therapist for a professional hockey team. And then, as always, our co-host, Mike Reeves. Hello, everyone. All right, Brandon, what's up, man? Long time no see. How's life? Everything's good. How you guys been? Living in your old hometown, Dave? I know, and I'm living in your old hometown. With <laughs> your right here. All right, so let's let's jump into it. You're the PT for the Tampa Bay Lightning. You guys now have two Stanley Cup championships, so that's pretty freaking cool and awesome. It's crazy to think in five years how quick you can make that leap and jump. So the reason that we wanted to interview you was to give some insight to any aspirational physical therapists out there that want to maybe work for a professional team one day. So give us some background. Just, you know, we know where you grew up, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, but how did how do you feel like you got started on that track to make it to where you've made it so far? So not that everyone has to take this route, but when I went to undergraduate school, I was really interested in sports performance and uh, rehabilitation. So I got my bachelor's degree in athletic training and then went directly to PT school with aspirations of working in high level sports, whether collegiate, recreational, youth athletes or professional was the ultimate goal. Throughout my time at Pittsburgh, I bugged the teachers enough to give me good internships at sports at sports clinics and uh, learned a lot from some really good clinicians in Pittsburgh and then used that to kind of take my time and then applied to a number of sports residency programs across the country. Uh, ended up interviewing at a number of them and selecting to go to University of Texas Southwestern in Dallas, mainly being because I was very interested in working in ice hockey. At that point, I was thinking hockey or football, and that was one that was a full year-long internship with the Dallas Stars in the National Hockey League. Do you feel like it's like absolutely necessary? I mean, obviously, it's beneficial to have that athletic training background. Have you met many professional physical therapists that work for professional sports teams that aren't athletic trainers? I have. So it's not necessarily necessary, but athletic trainers around want to see an ATC, but it's almost impossible to be dual credentialed anymore, if you ask me. The, the ATC is a master's degree. You're talking five years master's and three years for a DPT. It's eight years of school. I thought seven was long enough. And then there's a lot of guys in the, specifically my league, I know that are physical therapists only and not athletic trainers, but have kind of pushed themselves into the strength and conditioning side of field as well to kind of open up some other tools and be utilized not only strength and conditioning, but also in the medical side of things to kind of bridge the gap from acute injuries to performance-based rehab. Yeah. For, from what you've seen, do you feel like um, there's almost like distinct teams as far as like strength and conditioning and physical therapy and chiropractic and, and physician, or do you blend into a little bit of the strength and conditioning with, with your work? So with my title, I'm technically physical therapist, assistant ATC, and then assistant strength and conditioning coach. So I blend all three realms and work consistently with our team massage therapists, two athletic trainers, performance director, and then we have a couple consulting. We have one consulting chiropractor for home games, but as far as manipulative tasks and other things like the chiropractic would do, I have been doing mostly for the team um, on the road and at home because we only have the chiro at home. Right. And then as far as those therapists that you know that aren't necessarily ATCs, do you feel like there's anything in their background or education or credentials that gave them kind of like a, an edge as far as breaking into that world? Or was it more of they just developed some connections through a residency or through a network of, of other PTs that they may have connections with? 
Yeah, networking is huge and not being afraid to talk to people and kind of get your name out there is the most important thing. I personally have a CSCS, Certified Strength Conditioning Specialist. Would I say you need that? No, but I think anyone that goes to PT school can read the book and pass that test, no problem. And it's even if you're not going to work in professional sports, I think it's a very good certification to have to kind of learn about performance and late stage rehab stuff. I think that most of them have certified strength conditioning specialists. And I think just having conversations and networking with other individuals in that realm and putting your name out there and saying you're interested is the most important thing. Yeah. And I mean, I feel like you were kind of always a natural at being social, whether in class or, or out of class. So I'm trying to think about how to phrase this because I feel like whenever we would go to conferences, you really just had like the ability to meet people and be able to communicate with them and, and be like, do you have any advice for any PTs out there who want to go to a conference or anything like that and really network? So I can't remember which one it was. I want to say it was the one in Texas where you were really kind of hustling to like meet people and try to get into a sports residency. Yeah, I was working my tail off there yeah. morning to night. But yeah, I mean, what what it boils down to is you have to work with these people every single day. So if you can connect with them, not they they know you have the skills to be a physical therapist if you're a new grad and you're working hard, but they have to be able to live with you and deal with you for 12 to 15 hours a day in professional sports. So by the time I came to my interview for the Tampa Bay Lightning, they were like credential wise, school wise, physical therapy wise. We talked to you numerous times over the phone. We brought you to Tampa just to see if you were a normal guy and we would want to spend the next however many years together because we spend every single day together on a regular basis for morning to night. So I think being able to communicate and connect with people on a personal level and not just work is most important because you also have to be a human being when you're talking with these athletes. Obviously, you want to get them back as fast as possible. Yeah, for sure. Some interesting topics there as far as like, I think they call it like the layover test. It's like, can you sit down and like at a layover waiting for a plane and like have a beer with them? Exactly. That's, I mean, that's what you do. And even at those CSM conferences, what we went to, three of us went to San Diego together and San Antonio. I mean, take every opportunity you have to, if you really want to work in sports, you got to find the people and just bug the shit out of them and ask them to have a cup of coffee, ask them to have a beer, whatever you want. If you don't drink, take, go to coffee, go to lunch just try to have like a normal conversation with them. And it doesn't always have to be about work. Ask them about their kids or family or what they do on their spare time. Yeah. And then as far as the residency, you, you said the deciding factor for you at Dallas was the opportunity to work with an ice hockey team. Are there any other residencies that you were looking at that were ice hockey or was that the main one that so, allows you to be uh, with a professional team? So with the professional team, the only one that I'm aware of is UT Southwestern with Dallas Stars. I believe that there is a fellowship that was created Created maybe a year or two ago that's in Minnesota that is associated with the University of Minnesota Gophers ice hockey team and University of and Minnesota Wild ice hockey team, along with a lot of USA youth hockey programs. But mm -hmm. on a professional level, I think it's the only one is UT Southwestern. Just like there's only, what, there's one for the Steelers in the NFL. I'm not aware of another one. Yeah, I know a few college ones, like I know University of Houston. Yeah. One. Oh, actually the one in uh, Houston Methodist is the Texans. It's the other uh, Oh, NFL. yeah. 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 I don't know if I know anyone that's been to that one. Luke from class below us. Gotcha. Gotcha. He, uh, he went there and now he's the minor league coordinator for uh, New York Mets. That's right. That's right. St. Lucis. Wasn't, wasn't um, the one that was through Pitt, wasn't that with the Steelers? Didn't they have some sort of affiliation there? Yeah. Yeah. And Pitt is a full year with the Steelers, which is an awesome opportunity if you want 
want to get into the NFL. Yeah, I think we've seen a few past sports residents pass through that one, and a good chunk of them work for professional sport teams. I mean, Pete just won a Super Bowl. Yeah. Have you seen Pete at all? I know you went to a Bucks game at some point. I have seen him once, but I we text a lot more than we actually see each other because we're on opposite schedules. We give each other tickets here and there and kind of just talk about sports and stuff, but I need to get out and see him a little bit more often. I met his boss the other day and we compared championship rings. That was pretty cool. He's got the better ring. I personally like ours, but they're both beautiful. I would take either. (laughs) Yeah. Well, so, so what I heard. (laughs) Well, as a matter of fact, you would take two of them. You'd take two of them. We get our next one here in a couple of weeks. I'm pretty excited to know what it looks like. So that'll be awesome. Yeah. And I saw that you got a day with the cup. So that was pretty cool. At least got to hang around it. And Yeah. I uh, was fortunate enough to have my name inscribed on it as part wow. of the 52 names that are on it for both times. And along with that honor, you get one day to do whatever you want with that piece of silver from 10 a.m. to midnight. <laughs> well, I hope you let it nap, Brandon, because I'm sure it was exhausted. Yeah, it was, a, it was a good time. Get out on the water and have my family and friends in town and get ahead of myself with a couple cocktails, but <laughs> well, status quo. <laughs> you, you earned it, man. You got to enjoy it. As far as your job in professional sports, I know last time we met for lunch, you said you got the opportunity to work with a lot of brilliant, intelligent people who really taught you a lot of new techniques and strategies for rehabilitation. What are some of the new things that you felt you've learned working with these high-level clinicians that, that you didn't have prior to that experience? So we, I feel like we are extremely aggressive in nature. And a lot of my rehabilitation technique has transitioned to a lot of manual therapy. Obviously, there's exercise prescription that goes into it, but there's not a lot of cueing and teaching people, teaching these guys how to do an exercise because they've been trained on how to do pretty much everything since they were six, seven years old. They've been doing off-ice training. So a lot of it is kind of your hands-on opportunities. I've started doing some needling techniques as well as I've learned some different manipulative techniques, grade five thrusts. And I just feel like a lot of it is getting the tissue basically back as fast as possible. So pen and stretch, different massage techniques. A lot of my work is based on the table and it's become, a, it's, sometimes it's a lot, but it's it seems to be working really well. And we, uh, we're fortunate enough to have a lot of people around our team working a lot with these athletes. And it's not in your traditional physical therapy where you're thinking one, one to three times per week. I'm seeing these guys seven days per week, sometimes twice a day. So you're able to accomplish a lot in that time frame. And whether one you're doing exercise in the morning and manual therapy at night or both both times, uh, you can get a lot accomplished and get these guys back as fast as possible. You feel um, like you guys use a lot of taping or cupping or anything kind of that we wouldn't use too often in the clinic, but is beneficial if you have like the extra time to dedicate to like tissue healing, like you were saying. I will do cupping therapy a little bit here and there. There's a few athletes that request it because they like the feeling of it. And if they think it helps them, then it helps them. That's all. That's yeah. what I can say. I mean, we have a, I have one player who will come and say, can I get the fascia treatment today? Cause I, he, I explained to him what cupping does. It like helps with fascial planes. And now he just calls it, can I get the fascia done today? So he, thinks awesome. the hair, he thinks it's the most funny thing when he gets a million cups put on him. Cause he loves to get his fascia going. He says, that's hilarious. Wow. 
Um, but I'll do also some instrument assisted techniques for kind of tenderness issues. And some guys like to do those instrument techniques just to have like a flush massage pre or post games, kind of warm up the tissue or kind of push out some of the blood flow. But yeah, a lot of guys you that we acquire also have different things. They're like, well, I was doing this in Colorado or well, I was doing this in LA. Is there any way? And then you call their, their trainer. Hey, what were you doing? What kind of give me what your the idea of what I should be doing for this athlete? Cause apparently they think it helps them. So, I mean, I don't do any taping personally. We do have a, our second ATC who's in charge of most of the taping techniques for any injuries or swelling type type stuff. We do, since we're flying so often and for on the road, if someone takes a shot off the foot, off the calf, and they have an enormous amount of swelling, we'll do some wrapping and some compression techniques for the plane. Because when you go to 40,000 feet in the air and come right back down, that thing's going to swell up like a balloon and then come right back. So you have to think about when you're on the road, what you can do to minimize kind of that swelling aspect because we're flying in and out of cities all of the time. You're blowing my mind right now. Did not <laughs> ever consider that. I know. And I would have never thought about it either until I was uh, like, I think it was the second road game. Someone got blasted in the foot with a puck and the, all of the trainers like, yep, make sure we wrap that before if we get on the plane. I was like, oh, I didn't even think about that and compression socks. And then, then we can get on the plane. <laughs> That's insane. What types of injuries do you feel like are the most common in hockey? Are you seeing a lot of like hip and groin or does it just vary because of the physical nature of, of the sport? So you're obviously going to have acute injuries all throughout the body, but kind of your mainstays of soreness or long-term injuries are going to be hip, groin, labral injuries, groin injuries, as well as shoulder and knee. Shoulders, you're going to see dislocations, AC joint separations, um, just your, your basic cuff injuries, but no, no like cuff ruptures or anything. These are young, strong athletes. And then we'll, we'll see a number of MCL sprains just from some valgus stress of high velocity on the ice knee to knee guy goes down or gets fallen on and they get in a fight and there's a pile up and someone falls on them just like in the nfl and then obviously with the aspect of you're allowed to fight each other in the sport we'll see a lot of acute hand a few concussions or so they'll split their hand open by punching someone in the face or and then a lot of what we see acute is block shots some off the foot, off the hand, off the elbow. There's a lot of padding. They wear chest protectors, elbow pads, shin pads, pants. But when that puck's coming 105 miles an hour at you off a one-time shot off your skate, you can break your foot in one shot. Wow. Um, so we do see, I think I've been here, I've been here for three years. I've probably seen six broken feet, maybe seven. That's insane. So that, I mean, it's just, that's the nature of it. And luckily, like we have the ability to do diagnostic imaging immediately. If we need an x-ray it's in the building if we need an mri we call the place it's done the next day so that we're fortunate in that respect but that helps a little bit in the diagnosis process as well <laughs> right do you feel like your experience in pittsburgh with concussion has helped you in professional sports do you feel like do you do any of the vestibular or like exertional components like we would do in a traditional outpatient clinic or what's that look like yeah for sure i mean fortunately we're doing pretty well with our concussion stuff here but if we have anyone that's kind of in that post-concussive syndrome and vestibular issues i have used uh, the vestibular training voms retraining vor vms the athletes as well as kind of once they clear that initial shock and vestibular issues then 
getting them back into the exertional based. And there is not an exact set program in the NHL, but there's a guidance of what you should do. Basically work out in the gym, no symptoms, work out on the ice by themselves, no symptoms, work out with the team, non-contact, no symptoms, then full contact, then return to play. And you can accomplish that in a short period of time, or it could be, it could be four days. It could be 14 days. It's just how the athlete is feeling. And that experience of working with everyone in Pittsburgh was awesome. Obviously we had athletes come in from all over the country and other countries to see for post-concussive issues and learning from them was definitely paramount in helping with my concussion treatments, but even head and neck trauma, uh, whiplash issues, because we get a lot of that, obviously with the high forces of someone getting slammed into the boards or blown up at the blue line. It blows my mind how fast and athletic these guys are on piece of steel that's a quarter inch wide. Yeah. <laughs> Incredible. So, Brent, you kind of brought up all the, like, the concussion stuff. I'm curious if, like, the hierarchy for that kind of works differently than, like, your normal injuries. Do you have someone that kind of runs point for that? Do you run point? How does that all work? As far as concussion issues, I would say that they're, I'm seeing them mostly. We've been fortunate on our team to not have a lot of issues thus far, but... It, they know that I had training in that in Pittsburgh. So they have referred to me if there's any, anyone, not only in our team at the lightning, but if we have somebody in junior hockey, that is minor league affiliate in Syracuse, you have the kind of the role of reaching out to them and getting them the right medical providers and where they're playing and kind of giving them guidance. So obviously we have a draft every single year. So say our first round draft pick is they're so excited about them, but maybe it's not a concussion or they had a shoulder surgery. We're still kind of not in charge of their rehab, but you're definitely involved and where they're going to physical therapy, what they're doing, when are they getting cleared? Because that person could very well be on your team in the next year or so. So you have to take into account not only the 22 guys that are on the team in Tampa, but being in kind of overseeing what's happening in the junior levels and our minor league affiliate. Fortunately, we were just hired a physical therapist full-time for our AHL team who actually is pit grad as well. I kind of helped him out with that. So he's going to be great for them and for, yeah, them, to have, for them to have a full-time physical therapist and a minor league team is unbelievable. I think there's only a few teams in the AHL that have that. So it's definitely a step in the right direction to growing physical therapists as a regular person on a sports medical team. And I think you guys have a good relationship. So that, that helps with communication. Like you were saying, just kind of being more aware of what's going on in that satellite. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause there are players that come up and down all the time. So we might have injuries. We have to bring players up from there and they could be playing on a regular basis for us. So we need to have a good streamline of conversation between each other uh, up and down two leagues. So as far as like the actual um, lifestyle of being professional sports PT, how much time would you say you get like off? I guess you guys have off season, but yeah. do you ever get a, a break? You said you work, you know, long hours, 10 to 15 hours. So do you, do you get any time off or what's that look like? Uh, yeah, I mean, so it depends when the last two seasons have been very short periods of time off but that was also for a good reason we went all the way in one so basically when the season ends on a normal basis would be anywhere between april and june depending on if you make the playoffs or not and then the next season would start in september but that doesn't mean you're not working between that time period so if you have guys that have surgery you might probably want to keep them in your home city to kind of rehab them and then also we will have guys like the season started september 22nd this year there were guys in tampa's training and skating 
skating on August 1st. So you got to be there then because they're, they're working out, they're skating, ice coverage, kind of doing maintenance treatments with them. But I was able to get a few weeks off, obviously. But on a normal day-to-day basis throughout the season, you're looking at training camps crazy. So that's different. But a, re- a regular practice day, it's really not that bad. I get there three hours before practice. Practice is usually an hour. There might be a workout pre or post for the athletes. And then you have treatments pre and post as well. So you might be there six, seven hours on a practice day. Now on a game day, you're there at seven in the morning. You might leave at midnight. So you get used to that. And those are every other day. And then my role, which is not the same for everyone. There are some therapists in the league that do not travel, but I'm full-time travel as well. So when the team's on the road, I'm with them. I'm going to practices on the road, games on the road, treating people in my hotel room on the road morning and night, and just on a folding massage table that I carry and using the hotel gyms and bands that I carry, whatever you can kind of get your hands on to do the exercises and get it's, it becomes uh, you start scoping out, you look at the hotels ahead of time and trying to find the pictures of the gyms online. So what do I have available to myself? Right. Wow. That's, that's definitely intense. I didn't even think that far ahead, but it makes sense. I mean, I feel like too, with, you know, that, that being your lifestyle, 10, 15 hours, you can't be itching to go home, right? You got to just be there and enjoy it. And, and that's, that's just your life. So that's kind of the case. If you don't enjoy it, there's no way you're going to last. I mean, I personally love being there. Um, I think it's, I have a great time at work. There's sometimes where I'm tired and need a cup of coffee, but when you get the thrill of like winning a game or kind of going through and winning the championship, it makes you feel like everything you did was worth it. Obviously all the hours we spent that working together on the road, uh, treating players till 10, 11 midnight, sometimes for a game, it makes it all worth it when you get the thrill of victory. Yeah. Yeah. So any advice um, for an aspiring PT, if you could give one pearl, what what would it be? And if if you don't have one, that's fine too. (laughs) I mean, I would always say that you're never going to learn everything and you can always continue to learn. And not only from reading research on your own, but just ask another clinician that is in your field. What do you do for this? Do you have any different ideas for this? Having a conversation with people and not being afraid to talk to them because you might be thinking you have the best gold standard treatment for whatever the injury is. And they might say something and you're like, huh, let me try that. And then it helps. So just always being open-minded and reaching out and doing the best you can. I mean, it's all about having conversations and you can always get better. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, that's one thing that I I think I'm learning just from talking to you here is I don't think necessarily reading all the research and knowing it, you know, word by word is going to be what what gets you there. It's, you know, from what I've known from you previously, when we were in school is you got to be good at communicating and being social and being not only intelligent, but can you work well with other people and be a part of a family? Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you're not going to be an expert at anything right off the hop. Like when you learn dry needling, you're not a professional of it right away. You you get it better at it at, through practice. You get faster at it. You become better at it. with manipulations. You might learn a new one or watch a video and learn a new one. You might not be good at it at first, but keep using your skills because I, I don't want to be cliche and say, if you don't use it, you lose it, but just continue to utilize your skills and get better at them, especially manual wise for professional sports because they look to you to fix them. They think that you can fix them no matter what. So if you can do anything to make them feel better, whether it's in the intermission of a game or in the middle of a shift, they come off the ice you have to adjust their neck because they got blasted into the boards and they go right back on the ice because they feel a little bit better from that release. You have to always be prepared. Wow. That's, that's intense. You're blowing my mind with, with your answers to these questions. I was not, um, (laughs) 
you yeah, know, anticipating I mean, I le- the level of, of thought that goes into every single detail that you do for your job. I, I, it was obviously a learning curve. I didn't understand all that at first, but I learning from obviously the two athletic trainers that are above me, my, my boss, the head athletic trainer has been working in professional hockey for t- 24 years. So he's been around and Mike has been probably for 18 years. So it's, they have a lot of experience and have kind of taught me. Now that I expect people to be shooting down the tunnels during intermissions or ga- during the game, not as much as I, as it happens all the time, but I mean, anything can happen with such a violent sport. We have a preseason game last night we had three people kicked out of the game for fighting like you're you're gonna have people at injuries <laughs> it was a preseason we had a brawl <laughs> mike do you have any uh questions to wrap up here i think that's kind of all that i had in mind anything else think, that yeah. you can think of i think i have some of the fun questions like i mean you're obviously hanging out with all these like professional hockey players all the time do you ever just like hang out with them grab a beer go party for sure i mean uh we'll have team parties that some of the players will have us over like halloween parties christmas parties when we're on the road it's not uncommon to see them out have a beer with them go out to dinner so i mean they treat us just like as they treat us as if they're their family too because they appreciate everything we do for them on a day-to-day basis they understand how much work we put into it as much as they do on the ice so they kind of bring us along and want to have fun all the time you always look at the calendar at the beginning of the year and you start circling the fun cities oh how many days are we going to have in vegas how many days will be in nashville that's (laughs) funny and you have you have your favorites of course (laughs) what's your favorite uh, I would say Nashville and Vegas are my favorites. Chicago is awesome. Boston, Montreal, Vancouver. Montreal is underrated. Montreal is like Europe. It's awesome. Like Incredible. You, you go to old Montreal, you feel like you're in somewhere in Europe. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Especially yeah. you have all the French speaking people. <laughs> uh, and I need to learn French. That's the issue. <laughs> well, that, that makes it fun. Like uh, when you're on the road, you can unwind a little bit and get out of your hotel, go out for a drink. During COVID years, that was a little bit worse. You were locked in the hotel you couldn't leave you that must have been intense so that was a little bit more depressing but now that we're back on we're freedom we're good to go <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i gotta say too i think not only were you fortunate to be a part of being a in, in a professional uh professional athletic team or professional hockey but i think the lightning you know i'm from tampa they're an incredible organization they do so much for the community yeah, and when you know when we met up when you first started and you told me how great they were i i, I wasn't surprised because they just do yeah. so much for Tampa. It's incredible. Yeah, Mr. Vinick, I would say, is the, the best owner in sports, hands down. Um, obviously, I haven't met a lot of them, but what he's done since taking over the team in 2010, not only for the Tampa Bay Lighting, but for the community is unbelievable. And you were from here. You would know your family understands how much he gives back to the community, charities. Um, it's it's unparalleled. So he's yeah. been he's been unbelievable for the city and for the team and obviously for me. Yeah. Tampa Bay. We're back. Yeah. Tampa Bay's back. It was a long, long struggle there for you for a while. Tell you what, I was 12 years old in 2002 when the Bucks won that Super Bowl. I cried like a baby. Loved that. <laughs> did, you, did you cry this year too? Uh, it was good, but we had Brady. I saw it coming. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I got to ask you, Brayden, are you Steelers fan still or a Tampa Bay fan? What do you think? Of course I'm a Steelers fan still. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I mean, I've been to some Bucks games. Obviously, I root for them as part of the community. Yeah, that's all right. You can have an NFC team and an AFC yeah. team. Tom Brady's unbelievable. As much as I didn't like him when he was a Patriot, but it's it's amazing to watch him live. Like how incredible he is. 
Yeah. Have you met him before? I have not met him. Um, I know a couple of our players have, and they yeah. say that he's great. And uh, I know they have their whole TB12 clinic set up in Tampa now. He's got his guys down here. Does he? What so part of town is it? And do you know? It's right next to the rink. So, oh, okay. uh, not in a rink, I, the field. Sorry. <laughs> gotcha. So, kind of yeah. like, kind like of. right near Raymond James. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, seems like you're having fun. So I think um, based on, you know, from all the conversations we had in school, I think you landed your dream job. Yeah, I mean, I have no plans of going anywhere else. I just uh, have to avoid getting fired now. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, you got a good team or a great team in an awesome city. So I think yeah. you uh, checked all the boxes there. Yeah, I mean, so happy. So I'll just keep it rolling and maybe we can go for a third one. Another long summer, maybe. <laughs> I mean, if the Lightning and the Bucks repeat, that'd be well, incredible. Don't, don't forget about the race. They're, they're, yeah. uh, they're flying right now, too. That's, that's a good point. Yeah, I can't forget about them. They, they used to be the us. devil rays back in my day. Yeah, they sent us some shirts over today that that's... said boat, boat parade or bust with the, with the rays emblem in the background. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Well, all right, man. Thanks for joining us. I know it's a little bit late night and you probably have you know been working all day, so we appreciate it. Yeah, no problem, guys. Good seeing you. Good seeing you, buddy. Thank you.